I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have a very special treat for you. I am bringing to you one of the most amazing speeches I have ever heard in my entire life. It is with my good friend Antonio Lucio, who ended his 40 years as a marketer and as global CMO of Facebook last Friday, which was September 18th, 2020. It was also the last day of Brand Week, so he kicked us off on that last day with his farewell speech. This is packed full of things no one ever tells you. It has meaning, it has purpose, it has substance, and Antonio covers everything from the marketing craft, what it takes to be a great leader, the dark side of leadership, and the potential consequences to yourself if you're not paying attention to you and to your family. This is not a speech anyone should ever miss, especially if you're in marketing, especially if you're a leader, especially if you're juggling tremendous pressure at work and at home. As Antonio will share with you, he has survived a heart attack, depression, divorce, but he's learned from all those things how to be grateful and he expresses his deepest gratitude for the entire industry with a big farewell at the end. Now I will tell you, warning, you're gonna need some Kleenex. I'm still tearing up thinking about it because there was not a dry eye in the house. If you were tuning in on Friday and watching, you would have seen the chat window was on fire with thousands and thousands of chats coming from everyone about the entire speech, throughout the entire speech. So here it is for you to have a listen. Definitely have pen, paper handy, as well as a box of Kleenex. 
and I hope you enjoy this. And honestly, I hope you listen to it several times because I know I have and I will continue to. Thank you so much. It is my incredible honor and privilege to welcome a dear friend of mine to the stage. Antonio Lucio has been a guiding light for this industry for all 40 years he's been in marketing. And today is his last day as CMO overall, but also CMO of Facebook. Antonio, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm gonna turn it over to you. Oh, thank you, Nadine. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And yes, in what felt like a blink of an eye, today is my last day as a CMO. My last lecture, if you will. For 40 years, I have been blessed with the opportunity of being a global marketer in some great companies and across several industries in consumer good, fintech, tech, and social media. I have spent this time building businesses, brands, and marketing teams around the world because that is what we do. That is what marketers do. We build businesses, brands, and teams that stand the test of time. And there is nothing more important and noble than that, especially during these turbulent times. Nadine, synthesizing 40 years of life to fit 30 minutes had been a bit of a challenge. That's a lot of data. But today I want to share some thoughts on leadership based not on truisms, but on what was helpful to me. I am dividing this presentation into observations on the technical aspects of leadership that hopefully will help people navigate your role, and then observations on the deeply personal leadership journey that hopefully will help you thrive with meaning. Let me start by saying that leadership is hard. It's very hard. There is no other way to say it. Things that matter are hard and leadership matters more than ever in the world and in our industry. For me, leadership has always had two dimensions, vision and action, and both are needed in equal parts. First, as leaders, we are supposed to have a compelling, realistic, and inspirational view of the future. And that is difficult because anything that has to do with the future implies change, risk, and a little bit of venturing into the unknown. All things that frankly, as humans, we're not very good at. But having the vision is not enough. As leaders, we must also have the ability and the determination to bring that vision to life, not by ourselves, but through people. I have always called this the what, why, how, and who of leadership. As leaders, we must be able to clearly articulate what needs to be done, but we must also inspire by providing the why it needs to be done. What and why are the vision aspects of leadership and the one area where many marketers want to spend most of their time. Why? Because it stimulates our precious and gifted brains. The how the vision gets done and who needs to be aligned to get it done is the action part of leadership. Unfortunately, it is sometimes perceived to be the less stimulating, more operational, and sometimes requiring more muscles than brain. Well, I am here to tell you something. Your career and your legacy will be defined only by your actions. It takes as much time, focus, creativity, and brain power 
to define the how and the who. In fact, when we pay attention to the how and the who, we're almost forced to drive diversity and inclusion to deliver the great work that connects with people where they are and achieve optimal business results. If leadership is hard, my friends, marketing leadership is particularly hard. There is a reason, as Greg Welch will say later, why the tenure of the CMO is the lowest among the C-suite. Our job is difficult because to achieve our mission, we must balance performance and brand marketing in a world that is being disrupted by technology and many other social, political, and economic forces at a time where people have more voice, choice, and power than ever, and where transparency and purpose are required not just by our users, but by all the stakeholders that we serve, from employees all the way to legislators. And for those of you that are working outside of the CPG world, actually most of you, your work is exponentially harder for these companies that now own the scoreboard of the world most impactful brands. The concept of brand and marketing is less specific and more distributed than the holistic and specific view held by CPG. Because of the lack of clarity of role, expectations, and deliverables, a significant amount of the CMO time has sometimes needs to be devoted to explaining, clarifying, and even negotiating the expected role of the function before we can get into the what, why, how, and who. Over the last four decades, I have seen the role of the CMO evolve from brand steward, marketing artisan, and storyteller to becoming the CEO of a big and complex marketing organization, where 60 to 70% of the time is devoted to earning a seat at the business table, to focusing and aligning internal and external resources to deliver the multi-stakeholder and multi-channel integrated product and brand narrative, and to building an ecosystem of people and capabilities across the multiple dimensions of the future. Without playing the functional CEO role, the marketing function will not be allowed to deliver the great storytelling that we love and integrating brands in culture. I am glad that the CPG world is discovering the concept of the polymath. Outside of the CPG world, in direct-to-consumer businesses, polymath have been existing for several years now because it is frankly the only way to survive. For us as marketers, the only metric that counts is growth and growth at three dimensions. If you want to know if someone is a good marketer, you should ask if they have been able to grow their businesses, their brand preference scores, and their marketing team's capabilities throughout time and relative to their peer set. If we're not able to do this, we're frankly not doing our job well. As a discipline, I feel that sometimes we have lost sight of this and that we get distracted by vanity metrics, flashy toys, or by giving awards to highly creative ideas, whether they're building the business or not, or whether they've grown ahead of competition or not. When we do this, the discipline weakens and the marketing role is diminished. So I want to begin by sharing three technical observations that help, hopefully will help you navigate through the added complexity of the marketing role. First, know thy business and master thy craft. 
Know thy business code was one of the best pieces of advice I received early in my career. By knowing the business, I do not just mean knowing the drivers and leverages of the P&L, both at the fixed and at the variable cost level, although it is very critical that we do. I also mean knowing the operating processes, the culture and the people. The three most important relationships that a CMO will need to have are the CEO to sponsor the growth agenda, the head of product to help set priorities, and the CFO who hopefully will give you the money to invest. Investing time in cultivating these relationships by teaching what marketing can do to advance the business vision of the company will pay huge dividends. Knowing the business will get you the seat at the table and the business table will give you the venue to define the how to get things done and the power to align with the multiple levels of the who to bring your vision to life. If knowing the business gives you the seat, mastering your craft will enhance your influence and impact. Our power comes from our users. All of the aspects of all the aspects of our craft being obsessed with consumer understanding and creating the right insights and deep analytic capabilities will be one of your most important levers for growth, especially in turbulent times. Insights and deep analytics will help you define the what and the why of your work. Insights and analytics are also the key to unleashing meaningful creativity, which frankly is the currency of our craft. Given the aftershock of this pandemic, there has never been a greater need for emotional connection, empathy, and creativity than now. Brands must be useful to people, helpful to communities, and selfless in their approach. That is our how. For our who, we need to build a creative ecosystem from clients to agencies to production houses and design systems that represent the population that we serve so that we can deliver the magic of our craft across the totality of the brand experience, not just in advertising. I believe that there has never been a better time to build creative ecosystems, whether internally, externally, or both. Talent, diverse talent is everywhere. We just need to work harder to find it. Constraints rather than abundance yield creativity. COVID brought not only constraints, but opened the door for two reinventions of systems that we all know were ripe for transformation. I believe we're entering a golden age for creativity. But to drive growth, marketing must become bilingual and bicultural by building bridges between what a company wants to do and how a company speaks and where consumers are in culture so that we create shared value. To do that, we must know thy business and master thy craft. Two, learn the culture, win by the culture, and then transform the hell out of the culture. Culture is a set of spoken and unspoken beliefs, attitudes, and behavior that make a company run the way it does. Culture should define a company operating rules. To drive growth, a marketer needs to understand the subtleties of culture because without it, the job cannot be done. In approaching any new assignment, I have sort of followed some very basic principles. I start by learning the culture, spending time with people across all levels of the organization. 
listening and observing words and behavior, their consistencies, but importantly, their inconsistencies as well. Then I establish credibility by getting points on the board by winning within the rules, norms, and processes established by the culture. Once that credibility is established, and only then, then I dare to transform the hell out of the culture so that we can accelerate the pace of growth. The amount of time required for each step is inversely proportional to the state of the business. If the business is going well, regardless of what they tell you in the interview, each step will take longer because winning businesses have, by definition, less incentive to transform during higher to turn around a business, on the other hand, you will be able to jump from knowing to transforming the culture faster, but you still must start by knowing the culture deeply. One of the most important assessments that a market leader must make is to understand the organization's tolerance and capability for change. Without it, you will not be able to serve realistic objectives. This is much as art as it is a science. Analytical trends need to be contextualized to a visceral understanding of the culture. Unfortunately, the CMO graveyard is filled with CMOs that were incapable of matching their mandate for change with the organization's capability to undergo the required changes. So know thy culture. Three, leading from the front, the middle, and the back. It is critically important that as leaders, we have a wide palette of styles. We must learn to lead from the front in those areas where we have absolute control of objectives, budgets, people, and deliverable. That's kind of easy. Leading from the front means providing radical clarity in terms of objectives, true empowerment in terms of execution, and unconditional support and ownership in terms of delivery. Leading from the middle is harder. It means when your objectives and deliverables are shared, Leading from the middle means collaborating in objective setting, clarifying roles in execution, and facilitating the team's deliveries. We lead from the back when we do not own objectives and deliverables, but we lead 100% by influence. Leading from the back is hard. It means asking the right questions, providing valuable and meaningful user perspective, and suggesting creative but achievable solutions. In each day, a marketing leader must switch roles many times over, sometimes within the same meeting. Of all the three styles, the most challenging to manage is leadership from the back, as influence is harder to tangibly measure. But when you have it, you know it. And you know what? The rest of the organization knows it too. Leading from the back is the most effective senior leadership style because as we climb the organizational ladder, our responsibilities grow, but our accountabilities move farther away from our direct involvement. Contrary to what many may think, leadership is not measured in number of people or size of a budget. Leadership is measured in impact to the business, and impact to the business is driven 100% by influence. These three things can help you become a better leader. But if you want to be a great leader, you must go deeper, much deeper. We must undertake the personal leadership journey, also sometimes called the dark side of leadership. I have to say that I have loved most of my days as a CMO, and leading teams have been both of a, a blessing and an honor.
But becoming a leader and finding comfort in my skin as a leader has taken time, work, and sometimes blood, sweat, and yes, even tears. Most of us are mentally ready for the increase of responsibilities and scope. Not all of us are ready for the emotional burden of leadership. Part of it is because our culture places leaders on a pedestal and we are expected to behave like superhuman in every situation. After us, after all, the boss is supposed to know everything. All we learn about being a leader, we have learned through formal training, mentoring sessions, informal observations, and perhaps books, lots of books. What nobody likes to spend as much time with is in explaining the lead that leadership carries with it significant emotional weight. Nobody teaches the heaviness that comes from being on stage 100% of the time. Once you become a leader, everyone pays attention to what you do and do not do, what you say and do not say, who you spend time with, who do you listen to, who do you avoid and who do you ignore. It takes time to realize that every formal or informal interaction with people leaves an impression of who you are and that that impression matters to them. I will never forget being approached throughout the world in office bathrooms while I'm doing my business or washing my hands while pe for, by people that felt lucky to have an interaction with the CMO at that moment. Yeah, I know it's awkward, but very true. To perform our role, it requires tremendous level of emotional energy and self-awareness over extended period of time, especially when you're traveling abroad and are jet lagged. Many books have been written about the loneliness of leadership, but it is different to read and understand and to feel what loneliness really means. You get an early read of it when right after being promoted, you're no longer sharing the gossip with your peers, but rather you become the gossip of your peers. It is difficult to grab what it feels like when all eyes are staring at you for an answer, especially when things go wrong or when you are the ultimate decision maker on, on who keeps his job and who goes. The business of business is the business of people. You exist to solve problems and people's problems are heavy on the heart. If you're human and I have news for you, despite of all the over-the-top expectations that you have on yourself, and you know you have them. We're humans, filled with some virtues and many imperfections. We make mistakes, lots of mistakes, and sometimes we do not even know what to do. The real problem with emotional pressure is that it creeps on you silently, and most of the time we don't want or dare to acknowledge the impact that is having on our lives. We tell ourselves that we're strong, that we're busy, that we're doing important stuff. Sometimes the fact that we struggle is perceived as a good thing because things that matter are supposed to be hard. In going through this process, we can sometimes become isolated from our families, friends, and associates as we do not want to be perceived as weak or not worthy of the role. The imposter syndrome is real for many more leaders than you would think. One thing is clear, and please listen to this. Not dealing with the pressures of leadership can destroy your family, your career, and even your life. I know this 
as I've had to deal with the dark side of leadership as well. I lost a marriage decades ago on my first international assignment because I so focused on becoming a great leader that I left my family behind in the process. Almost 20 years ago at PepsiCo, while performing my first role as a CMO of the international division, I had to step down to deal with chronic depression. I was traveling fast and furiously, and I did not pay attention to the signals, insomnia, overindulging in food and drink and having a deep sense of gloom regardless of the amazing moments that I was living. Since I was traveling too much, I was able to hide from everyone and even from myself what I was feeling. One day I could take it no more and became clean to my family. I took a lateral move and focused on regrounding my life, incorporating meditation, therapy, and new lifestyle choices. Lastly, eight years ago, while working on Visa, I survived a, ma a major heart attack. Once again, I did not pay attention to the signal. Once again, I had to reinvent myself, changing diet, exercise routine, and incorporate med incorporating meditation. It seems like life was sending me a signal every decade, but I was too busy being a superhuman. The one thing that you should know is that throughout all these challenges, my professional life was thriving. In Mexico, PepsiCo, and Visa, I was performing really well as a marketer, driving businesses, brand preference scores, and team capabilities consistently and ahead of our competitive set. But the cost was heavy. The cost was to my personal life and to my health. I have been blessed by an amazing wife and partner, Ashley, and by my tight family of strong and caring women. Without them, I will not be standing here today, literally, not figuratively. So if you don't mind, I would like to share with you what I have learned about the personal side of leadership. Perhaps you can learn from someone that has made every single mistake in the books. These are four things that I have learned. There is strength in vulnerability. Whether it is about sharing your life with family or with your associates, showing vulnerability is a sign of courage and strength, not of weakness. We must dare to change this paradigm in our heads and in the world so that we all can live healthier and more meaningful lives. But let me be clear, opening for the sake of opening may be cathartic and it has its time and place, but it is not enough. To make vulnerability the anchor for business or personal transformation, we must own the actions and the path forward. Change is impossible unless we own it. Accepting what we do not know, asking for help in defining and assessing issues, while at the same time personally owning, owning the personal outcomes of the collective endeavor is the definition of true empowerment. It will drive empathy and trust, whether at work or at home. Vulnerability matters. A house divided cannot stand. Lincoln's words are true to the country and true for the self. For many years, my definition of life-work balance was keeping work and life as two separate and distinct worlds that did not mix and should not mix. Then, like many, I tried to balance my life. No matter how much, I told myself that quality of time was more important than quantity of time. My mind was so consumed with achieving the balance that I was it was difficult for me to be present, and I would end up exhausted and unfulfilled. 
As I went through my post-depression transformation, I began integrating, integrating work and life. I would share more about what I was doing and feeling at work with Ashley and my family. To my surprise, they loved it. They learned what I did, why and how I did it. And they even dared to share some points of view, lots of points of view. Importantly, my daughters were able to learn that I loved my craft and how hard you have to work when you love your craft. And that is an important lesson for our kids to learn. I also brought in my family much closer to my work. In many of my business presentations, my family was the analogy of the concept that I was trying to convey. My team, teams became much more open to share their lives and life at work became even more meaningful. Next, we're heart more than mind. As marketers, we have always said that when the heart commits, the mind will only follow. We believe that brands that stand the test of time are built on strong emotional connection. Yet, when it comes to us, we spend a lot of time protecting our bodies, cultivating our brains, but perhaps not enough nourishing the heart. We know through science that our emotions drive our actions. We have also already established the emotional burden of leadership. We must take care of the heart. I have been a firm believer in creating safe spaces for the heart to unfold, places where you can see and accept your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, and yes, even your fears. I have been a firm believer in psychotherapy, the place where I can listen to my monkey brain with all its splendor and craziness so that I can try to make some sense out of it. I have also believed in purposely creating moments of authentic intimacy with close friends and Ashley. These are the times where I can be honest with myself, with them, about my feelings without judgment. Finally, I have also believed in maintaining a personal board of directors that will help me sort out difficult business, but importantly, life issues as well. The heart matters and it needs time and attention as well. Please take care of your heart. Finally, purpose is everything. Purpose is it. One of the most important exercises that leaders can make is to find their personal purpose. I found it late at 44 and it took my bout with depression to find it. You do not need to wait that long. Purpose should be the driving force of your life. It is what we want to be remembered by, not by the world, but by the people who love us. Purpose is the impact we have on the things and people we touch. Purpose is defined or revealed by what you do, not what you say, by your actions, not your visions. It is not a destination, but an endless journey. You may not, you may or may not achieve the full extent of your purpose, but your purpose can be your lighthouse to guide you where you want to go or remind you with lots of discomfort when you're losing the way as you occasionally will in life. Why is this important? One of my mentors, the late Philip Gould, believed that the biggest issue affecting leaders in our age was the divide between the spiritual self, the person we want to become, and the material self, the person we are within the context of our daily lives. He used to say, it is by living a life of purpose 
and finding purpose in the life that we live, that we can bridge the divide between the material and the spiritual. It is how we make our lives whole. It is how we become what we really are. And with Philip's words as a departing gift, I say goodbye to this beloved craft of ours. It's been an honor and a privilege to be your colleague during these 40 years. In this craft, I found my purpose and some of my greatest friends in life. I am grateful to those friends. I am grateful to the mentors that helped me along the way and I promise to continue to pay it forward. I am grateful to the teams that I was blessed to lead. I learned from you more than what you learned from me. Thank you for helping me become a leader and apologies for any mistakes. I am grateful for all my bosses, the ones that inspire me and the ones that made my life difficult. From all of you, I learn. I am grateful to my agencies for bringing magic, emotion, and joy to my life. I am especially grateful to our craft and to the current class of CMOs and industry leaders. You are all strong business people, great marketers, and amazing human beings. I believe our craft is in great hands at a critical crossroad moment. Following COVID and this period of racial and social unrest, the world needs to get back on its feet. Marketing can show the way back to growth. There has never been a more important time for marketing than now. What you do matter, it matters a lot. I will start a new journey as a servant to the industry DNI initiatives. I will be supporting and cheering you all from the sideline. I am grateful and proud to have been part of this amazing guild. Thank you for enriching my life with creativity, friendship, and hope. Gracias de todo corazón. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.